Good morning again. Good morning. Great to see you. Thank you for being with us this morning, and good morning to all the folks watching online. We're glad that you're with us and appreciate that very much. Um, happy COVID, crazy, I don't even know what's going on, Thanksgiving. There, I don't know uh, what to say, but we're glad that you're here. And uh, just, you know, try to breathe. And for a few minutes here, as we look into God's word, let's just try to forget uh, as best as we can all the other stuff. And let's just focus in. Uh, God's presence is here. Let's focus on his word for a few moments. Um, even with all that's going on around us, we have much to be thankful for. I have much to be thankful for. I uh, drove here yesterday from Graham and Ann. Uh, you can't drive from Graham and Ann, but after you get off the ferry, you can drive from, from there. And uh, beautiful drive, and I just gave thanks the whole way uh, for all that I have to be thankful for. I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful that you are here, uh, that Crosspoint is here, that the church is going in the direction that it's going. Speaking of going, this is the last Sunday of our Go series, and we're going to transition to a brand new series next Sunday. And i uh, got a really creative title for the next series. It's called Grow, G-R-O-W. Uh, we worked really hard on that. We're going to go from the Go series to the Grow series, and then we'll have to find something that rhymes for the Christmas series. Maybe we'll call it Glow and just, you know, <laughs> keep, that, keep that going. And... Um, but we're going to talk about spiritual growth uh, next week. Uh, how do I grow in, in spiritually? What does that mean? What does it look like? Is it measurable? Um, what are the conditions, the essentials for spiritual growth? Why would I even want to do that? How will it change my life? Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. The church should be the biggest grow-up in the city. No, no one should outgrow the church if we believe what we believe. Uh, when I said that in the first service, they went wild. They were, they were running around the church and waving their... It was, it was pandemonium. They came right unglued. We, we had to like put all the seats back together and everything. It was, it was unhooked. You don't believe me. I'm, I am making that up. Um... Well, let's segue into the final, uh, final message in our Go series, which I hope you've enjoyed, and I hope it's been helpful. As a man, I was born directionally challenged. Now, I'm not saying all men are, <laughs> are bad with directions, but, but some of you get this, and somewhere in the fine print on my man card, it says that, it says, whatever you do, don't stop and ask for directions. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times Gayla has said to me, you are lost. And, and, and you need to stop and ask for directions. And I would say, I'm not lost. I'm, I'm, I'm just turned around, but I'm, I'm not lost. And something in me would just not want to stop and admit that I am lost. There was a day, some of you are old enough to remember, when we didn't all carry a GPS in our pockets. How did we get anywhere without these things? I have one on my wrist that will tap me and give me, and give me directions. Um, maybe you remember way back when you had to have a thing. There were these things called maps. 
And, and if you're driving and someone else had a map, like by the time you unfolded the map, it was bigger than your car. And you had to stop and pull over, spread this thing out on the hood of your car and try to figure out, well, where am I? Um, or do you remember uh, before you went somewhere, you had to print off the step-by-step -step instructions on MapQuest. Do you remember doing that? I'm going to go from here, and I'm going to print this off and get all your MapQuest things and highlight that and all that. The moment when you realize you are lost, when you, the moment you realize I am lost, like I, I've been lost in uh, L.A., not a good feeling. I've been lost in Houston and at like midnight, not a good feeling. When you realize uh, that you're lost, it's, it's not good. And there are times in Scripture when people realize that they're spiritually lost. Uh, we studied a couple of these earlier this summer in our Identity Theft series. We talked about Nicodemus who came to Jesus looking for spiritual direction. We talked about uh, the prodigal son when he realizes that, that he was lost. In Mark chapter 10 tells us about a young man who is lost and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus asking Jesus for directions. You know, I'm here. I want to get there. Can you tell me? Can you help me how to get from here to there? So it's Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. You must not have Thanksgiving dinner with friends in your home. <laughs> May as well laugh. Um, I don't know where I am. Where am I? Honor, honor your father and mother. Verse 20, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I've been a good boy. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions. And give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The old joke about stopping to ask a local for directions and, uh, and, you know, the local says, well, I, I think if I, I think I'd go, well, no, maybe I'd go, I don't know. Maybe I'd, you know what, if I wanted to go where you want to go, I wouldn't start from here, right? That old, that old joke. And this young man who is kneeling at the feet of Jesus is not starting, he's not starting from the right place because he he doesn't know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's off. He, he, he's, he's not starting from, a, from a, a good place. He has Jesus as less than Messiah. He calls him good. He calls him teacher, but he doesn't say, you're, you're God or you're the son of God. He's, he's not starting from the right place. We mentioned this a lot 
in our series of the summer, Identity Theft. We mentioned it on the front end of this series. We'll probably hit it again in the next series. That if you have Jesus as anything less than God, your heart will always search for home. You're always going to feel like something in my life is off. Something is not right. Something is missing. There'll be a searching. There'll be a yearning. There'll be a, you know, just why does this not make sense? And, and so he's, he's off because he doesn't know, he doesn't recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. There will be times in your life when you're going to want peace or you're going to want direction. Uh, you'll want answers or, or hope in times that are, that are difficult or confusing. There will be times when life just doesn't make sense. Um, you might be sitting in a funeral. It might be for, you know, someone who, who died unexpectedly. It could be because you get a, a bad word from a doctor or someone you love gets a bad word from a doctor. And you're, in those moments, you're going you're gonna to want direction. You're going to want peace. You're going to want to how does this all make sense? And, and unless you have Jesus as the risen Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, unless you have him as the highest of the highest in your life, you're always going to search um, for answers. Your heart will always search for home. So he's right when he says, when he calls Jesus good, and he's right when he calls Jesus a teacher. Jesus is good, and he is a teacher, but he's much more than that. And if Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is who we believe he is, then nothing else matters. Like, if we believe this book, then we're just passing through here. This is all temporary, and stuff will come and go, and, it, you know, all that, all that stuff will pass, and we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him if he is who he says he is. If Jesus is who he says he is, then stuff doesn't matter. I mean, I've got some stuff, and you've got some stuff, and we all have stuff, but it doesn't really matter. Um, you're not taking it with you. Your kids are already or your friends are already deciding what they want when you're gone, right? They're already putting stickers on things. And they, hey, you know, if something bad happens, can I have that? <laughs> you know, it, you're, not taking it, you're not taking it with you. Stuff loses its value really quick when we put Jesus in his place. If Crosspoint helps you see the wonder and beauty of Jesus... Scott asked the question, why are you here? If Crosspoint helps you see the wonder and beauty of Jesus, if we can help you recapture the wonder of who Jesus is, and we help you get that, that fire for, for Christ roaring white hot in your life, that's all you need. That'll get you through anything, and, and all the other stuff that happens in life will be okay if, if we, if you and I, if we as a church put Jesus in his place. Matthew tells us that, he, that this uh, person is young. Luke tells us that he's a ruler. That's why we call him the rich, young ruler. 
But Mark chooses, in, when Mark tells the story, he chooses to put all the focus on Jesus and not the, you know, Mark doesn't focus on all the young man's accomplishments. He wants you to see clearly that Jesus is the king. We can almost hear the echo from Mark chapter 8, verse 36 that says, what does it profit me or you? What does it profit us if we gain the whole world but lose our soul? Like when you step out of this world and into the next, heaven is not going to be impressed with your money. Like when you get there, heaven's not going to say like, wow, look at, look at their bank account. That's impressive. You know, heaven is not going to announce, announcing Joe Schmo who had a really big house. That's not your, that's not your arrival into heaven, right? Um, or how big your TV was, or, or what you drove. Like, it's just stuff, and it really doesn't matter. If you had, um, if you heard a story of um, someone who left everything, sold it all, or walked away from everything, and just went to serve Jesus in some remote part of the world where there was almost nothing, you would be impressed, and, and you would cheer that person on. You would applaud it but you don't want to do that. <laughs> like you find it really cool when other people do it, but then you think, I don't think I could do it. My daughter's boyfriend, almost fiance, saying this in a recording to the whole world, um, almost fiance is in Zambia right now and I was reading one of his newsletters yesterday and he was talking about going to an orphanage there and then there's this, this person serving in the orphanage who left North America, left everything behind, and just went to serve in an orphanage in Zambia. And, and when I heard that, I thought, man, I love it when people do that. Man, I don't know if I could do that. Why? Why, why would that be? This guy that throws himself at the feet of Jesus, his peers would look at him and think, dude, like, you've got it all. What, what, what is missing in your life? You have everything, but something is, def is, is desperately wrong. Something is off in his heart, and he knows it. He's found that there's a longing, there's an inner thirst that cannot be quenched by stuff. It cannot be met or, or, or fixed by anything the world has to offer, and it compels him to run to Jesus, to kneel at his feet and ask him for answers. In verse 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? And what Jesus is getting at is that he wants to challenge the young man's theology that, that, that People can earn their way to being good. And, and Jesus is going to challenge that. This is the tension that Jesus had with the Pharisees who, who were fierce about doing everything right, but their hearts were in ruin. Their hearts were, were, were far from God and totally lost. They were, they were very religious people, but very far from God. And it reminds us again of of the older brother in Luke 
chapter 15. And Jesus made it clear that we're not any good. You, you cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. That's, that's just not how, this, it's not how this works. No matter how many rules you keep or how good a life you think you've lived, God doesn't give out, you know, heaven isn't a sticker that you get for being good, you know? It's, it's not a reward for being a good person or going to church or, or doing good things. And so Jesus wants to fix his, his heart, obviously, and also fix his, his theology. If you think that a rabbi or a teacher is automatically good just because they say good things or do good deeds, you're missing the whole point. Maybe the young man's problem isn't that he's earned so much wealth. Maybe it's that he's trying to earn his way into heaven. And that's a much bigger problem. And Jesus doesn't want to talk about being good. He wants something better for us. Jesus wants us to come to a place where we understand uh, the brokenness inside us, that we're far from God, where we understand that, that the grace of God is available. It's a free gift to us if we would simply repent and trust him as our Lord and Savior, if we, if we would see him as the king in our lives. And like this young man who's kneeling there, Jesus is standing in our presence in this moment, wanting to heal us and cleanse us and restore us and forgive us. And, and like that young man, to understand that, to understand grace, you've got to come to a point where there's nothing you want more. You see Jesus is more valuable than anything the world has to offer a place of full surrender where you'd, you'd willingly just lay it all down at Jesus' feet and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. In verse 19, Jesus runs some of the commandments by him, not because this guy doesn't know the commandments. He knows them all. He can recite them. He's, he's followed these since he was a boy. It's what Jesus is doing when he says, you know, you you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, and on and on and on. Jesus is saying, yeah, you have done all those things, and, and your heart is still searching. Can you not see that, that it's, it's not working, that old system of the law is not working? That's why God sent his son into this world. Jesus is trying to, to bridge that for him, to help him see that, that Jesus came to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices, to fix our brokenness. You can't use your goodness. Here he is before Christ saying, I've, I've, I've been good. I've done all the right things. I've said all the right things. I've obeyed all those things. You cannot use your, your goodness as a way to, to negotiate with God, to barter with God. Hey, haven't I? Hey, how come this is happening in my life? I I've done good things. I've given money. I've, I've served you. I've gone to church, even in COVID. Right? Why is this happening to me? When you realize that you aren't good, when you realize that you need a Savior, that's when you're, that's when you're on the right path. I keep hearing the echo of the older son in Luke 15. Remember the older son, 
who sees the party happening in the house and he says to the father, hey, 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 what about me? I did everything you asked. I never disobeyed you. I stayed home. I went to church. I did good for others. How come he gets a feast and a robe? You see, the father doesn't want your trophies. The father doesn't want your accomplishments. He, he wants you and he wants to be your trophy. Jesus is the prize. So, Jesus invites this rich young ruler to imagine another way of living. Imagine another way of living, a better way. And I don't know if you've ever asked for advice and then wished that you hadn't because the answer you got was, you know, you just like, or if you've ever been sick and, and, and the prescription or the, the surgery was worse than when you, you know, you think, well, I like taking Buckley's. You know what I mean? You're like, no, I think I'd rather be sick. And, or something that makes you wish you hadn't asked the question. And the answer that Jesus gives him sounds harsh and extreme, like go and sell everything. It's the most loving thing that Jesus could have said to this guy. Jesus is trying to help him see and understand what you are doing is not working. You can't get from here to there doing what you are doing. We've got to, we've got to change this. You can't cut a deal with God and have salvation on your terms. You can't do enough good to have eternal life. Some people are down and out. This guy is up and out. He has everything yet something still missing in his heart. You can't turn material wealth into eternal treasure. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? And so Jesus invites him to imagine a life where all he has is Jesus. Go away, sell everything you have, give it all to the poor. Imagine a life where all you have is me. Are you good with that? Is that okay? A life where you, tr you have to trust in God for your daily bread. Um, you realize every good gift comes from him. You don't take anything for granted. You see the beauty in simple things. You take no pride in your accomplishments. You don't look down on others. Take away all the distractions. Wouldn't that be good? That sounds good to me. Take away all the idols in our lives. Imagine a life where Jesus is your treasure. Jesus is your trophy. Jesus is your wealth. He's your everything. Because money might come and go. Friends might come and go. Health might come and go. COVID will come and go. I'm, I'm declaring that in Jesus' name. Imagine a life where Jesus is your treasure and your life is centered on him. Jesus invites him to go there. In verse 22, Mark says, his face fell. His face fell because he didn't know who he was talking to. Like, if he knew that he was in the presence of God. See, he turned down the greatest offer you'll ever receive. You'll never get a better offer than grace, ever. 
And any time that you choose anything over Jesus, that's a loss. And I do this all the time. I mean, I just think back to the past week and times when there's a choice to be made and I'll, and I'll make a selfish choice rather than what God wants me to do. And times when, you know, I have an opportunity to put God first in my life. And any time, gang, that we choose anything over him, it, puts, it takes him from that spot and it lowers him a little bit. And that's the problem with this story is that this guy didn't have Jesus as the king. And he's, you're never going to get, you're not going to get where you want to go unless you start right that Jesus is the king of my life. So his face falls. Earlier this summer, we referenced a book by Tim Keller, The Prodigal God. And uh, I'm also going to credit Tim Keller with this next thought because I'm not smart enough and I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody giving me credit for, for this next one. It's in Keller's book, Jesus the King, where Keller says there are actually two rich, young rulers in this story. Jesus is 31 years old. He's left heaven. That's pretty rich. And he is the king. And one of these rich young rulers is not willing to let go of his wealth. And the other, the greater rich young ruler, will go to the cross and will empty himself of everything and give it all away to the poor. And that's us. He'd give it all to us. Jesus isn't asking this young man to do anything that Jesus isn't willing to do himself. Jesus is rich, and he goes to the cross and empties himself, gives it all away to the poor. That's us. Too often, the things that we hold tightly in this world have a hold on us, don't they? I mean, you get a hold of something, and then then it grips you, and you're gripped by it. There are things that... That, uh, you know, if, if God asked you to surrender those things today, you'd be like, ooh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I worked hard for that, and that was expensive, and I, I value that, or I appreciate, God, why are you asking me to give up that? I don't want to let go of, of that thing. There are things that have a hold on you and me. A church that had... A, has had a tremendous influence on my life and ministry. It's the Willow Creek Church in Chicago, Illinois. I've been there several times. At times in my life where I would drive to Chicago just to get my fire stoked again. And uh, several times I've heard their lead pastor tell of the early days of the church. They grew from a, a small group in a movie theater to about 20,000 people. And uh, in the early days of, of being a church, there were times when they were uh, in hard shape financially, and I've heard the lead pastor say there were at least two times when the entire congregation agreed together that they would cash out everything that they owned and give it all to the church because they believed in the vision of the church. So we're going to pass around a sign-up sheet this morning. 
Welcome to Thanksgiving Sunday. And some of you right now are thinking, that is crazy, or I couldn't do that. And is it not like Jesus saying to the rich young man, I've, I've got to be first in your life, and you've got to hold on to me, and you cannot hold on to that other stuff. And we're just passing through this world, and it's all stuff, and none of it's going with you. And what does it matter? What does it matter? Is this a good time for me to mention that we need a really good offering today? And if you're watching online, we need your help too. And you can e-transfer to give at crosspointchurch.ca. The, the couple weeks ago when we went online for one week, that really kicked us in the shins financially. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. We actually do need to bounce back today. But this text is not about money. If it sounds like money, it's not about money. It's about surrender. It's about the position of Jesus in my life. The position of, of Jesus in my life is more important than my position in life. Right. Right? right? Is there any area of my life that is off balance to God? Like you, God, you can have like 90% of my life, 95, 94, 89.3, but you can't have that. Um, is there any ask or go that I'm not willing to obey? And it's not, it's, again, it's not, it might be money, that might be your issue, but it doesn't have to be. It could be about restoring a relationship. It could be about reaching out to someone this afternoon and you're like, well, can I just not, ser can I serve you and not do that? You know, if God tells you that, would your face fall? You'd be like, oh. It could be forgiving someone. It could be a step of faith. Um, it could be giving. Many people in this church tithe 10% of their income to God. Now, if that makes your teeth clench and, and you just kind of bristle a little bit, why? Ask yourself, like, why, why, does, why does that bug me as bad as it bugs me? What is it about that? Uh, it could be an attitude. It could be anger, it could be hatred, it could be COVID, it could be fear, it could be a lot of things. Well, let's weave this. This is last Sunday of our Go series. Let's, let's start to weave this with next Sunday in our Grow series. Let's get ready to grow spiritually as a people of God. Would that be good? It would be good, trust me. Uh, you growing spiritually, oh, let me say it another way, you becoming more like Jesus it's exactly what your marriage needs. It's exactly what your house needs. It's what your kids needs. It's what your spouse needs. It's what your employer needs. It's what your city needs. It's what your street needs. It's what your neighbor needs. You becoming more like Jesus. So, you know, we, that's that. Um, and let's weave these two as we transition from go to grow. I'm going to put some, a prayer here in your, I'm putting words in your mouth. But you pray, you talk to Jesus about this. Jesus, I am yours. You can have every part of my life. <laughs> and when you think about that, that's a mouthful. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. And I look forward to growing in this next season.
Thank you for loving me. Amen.